Yes, thank you. Good morning, conservators, and welcome to the Scribal Conservatory Arts and Worship Center. This is our normal copyright disclaimer. Um, this is our overview. I'm going to skip right to um, the last four points. I just want to make sure that you understand why we're here. I believe our mandate is to transform nations by the renewing of our mind, to reinforce covenant, because we understand that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. So we're always pushing in that direction. Some people think that we may be Jesus only, but we're not. We're the whole Bible, <laughs> the whole Bible. That's how I believe. I don't knock people who are in that, but we want to reinforce the full covenant that we believe we've been given by Jesus. So he is preeminent and he is the mediator and everything that you hear, see, think, do, even if it's in the old covenant, we simply believe that it must be pressed, oh, pressed under what Jesus taught. So hold on to that because we will reinforce his covenant in everything that we do. We want to be like him. And so we elevate Christ above men. Uh, I just believe that the spirit of this age, the 21st century overreaching is that people um, have given Moses greater honor than they've given the Lord. So we're here to crush that and put all of our hands back in the hands uh, of Jesus so that we're always looking to him, no matter how great a leader is, that leader is never greater than Jesus. And he is the center. So we don't worship leaders. Um, we even changed our language here so that when we're talking about teachings and things that people have done or things that I've said, you can just say the conservatory teaches or this was a principle set by the conservatory. We want to kind of move into that because it takes our mouth off of elevating people and causing people to get the big head or making them think they're special. And we are all special before God. All contributions are important, but we're changing our language because part of the circus is that the circus loves elevating people, people to every word, my pastor, my pastor, my pastor, my, you know, we don't want to become worshipers of that. And we want to recognize what God has done. And I talk about my mentor a lot. Nothing's wrong with that, but she's not a God. <laughs> and, and, and I can't put myself in a position to being that to other people. I'm very appreciative. And, uh, but it will always, you can say that the Lord is speaking this through the conservatory. The Lord shared this through our leaders at the conservatory. And it's okay to mention your leader once in a while, but not at an obsessive level. And what we do is increase understanding. Oh my goodness. Oh, I just believe understanding is the key to everything. Proverbs 2, read verses 1 through 15. Listen to the um, teaching that we have on um, the rewards of understanding, the responsibility of sonship. Those are two critical teachings to the conservatory, and both of them are available inside the Scribal Conservatory Bible Study Group. You can find them there. Just do a search. Just search understanding, the rewards of understanding, the responsibility of sonship, and you'll have it. And at the end of the day, immersion is everything. And I consider myself an immersive believer. 
And um, I'm just, I just, everything about me is immersive. I really want to love Christ from an immersive place. And I hope that that is something that um, drives you as well. That's how you contact us. Things are not updated on the website. So don't go there right now because you won't be able to access anything. So we will have Bible study Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Be there. Bible study is really a great time to ask questions. We do that on Sundays as well. But as a conservatory, one of the main things we do is try to create an environment where no question is off limits. That's honorable and respectful and given within the character of Christ. Don't forget to support my podcast. Very, very important to um, the message of the scribe that God has given. But there's a, even though I'm teaching about the scribe, there's a lot of practical wisdom there too. So if you're able to join, subscribe, please write reviews. I haven't been pushing that as much, but I want to just encourage you if you are on um, Apple Podcasts in particular, you can always go to that page and submit a review. So I want to encourage you to do that as well. And that helps the podcast and its ratings. We're reaching the world. I'm getting emails from everywhere from Japan to Australia to wherever. God is really extending the reach and building some good friendships through this podcast. I'm all about relationship building. It takes me a long time really to build a deep relationship with people, but I'm hoping that this will do that so we can begin to spread the the message of Christ through the understanding of the ministry of the scribe. This is how you give. I'm just going to let that sit there for a few minutes. I am just, you know, I I don't have cash app and it's just a long story. So if you want to give, this is how you give. And um, I'll show it again at the end. And again, it's posted. This information will be posted inside the Conservatory Bible Study Group. So today we're going to be talking about part three. Maybe I should have called it part four because Prophet L.A. did teach last week. Her teaching will be posted, so don't worry about that. Um, It will be up. I just haven't had time to get it up. But part three, we're talking about the spirit of this age, but we're looking at practical ways of identifying the spirit of this age. Now, I want to tell you that, as you know, in the conservatory, We've talked a lot about how we've been raised up and trained and how we treat that word spirit. So I just want to say that that word spirit doesn't mean a ghost, a devil, or a demon all the time when people are using that term. It's usually about attitude, behavior, choice, in the way the scripture uses it. And you're going to see some of that today. So when we're talking about the spirit of the age, we also are talking about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places. So we are looking at those things too. But one thing that I really pray that we grab hold of in the midst of the conservatory is that those type of strongholds are, get this, propelled by people. They cannot have power unless we give them power. What do I mean? If you work on a job, this is something everybody understands. 
if you are employed somewhere and you have an employee that is very cruel, that, that totally takes the power or your authority away, embarrasses you in front of people, if they are condescending, it creates an atmosphere or an environment that is hard to work in. It brings oppression forth. It causes you to feel like you're being attacked. You, it makes the people angry. So I want you to understand it from a very practical perspective. However, in that same environment, if someone steps up and they say, I'm sorry, I apologize for what I did. I want to make up for what I've done. So if they repent, if they say, listen, let's make this a caring environment. They're coming in in the morning, greeting everybody. They're complimenting you. Good job done, buddy. You know, whatever they're doing, if they're doing that, the whole atmosphere shifts and you set a completely different climate. So when we talk about Sometimes the spirit in this building or the spirit in this atmosphere, people bring it. So it's very important that what you embrace, your attitude, if you are hanging out with friends, uh, this has happened to me, and you have a negative, um, you know, I don't want to use the cliche words because we have a lot of people with those names. But if we have a negative Jane Doe with us and you have two positive Judy's, there, then what are you going to end up with? You're going to have a lot of confusion because nobody can get Jane Doe happy. So it makes everybody miserable. So these are very simple ways of looking at this. Religion makes, oh, that's a spirit. You know, we do that kind of stuff. And sometimes all it takes is for us to change our mind. So this is an easy way of understanding how you can change the atmosphere without having to go into three hours of warfare to do it. Change your attitude. Change your behavior. Change how you are responding in that situation. So before I move forward with that, I want to just make sure we're clear of how we're trying to process some of these things because as believers we get to a place where um, we're so into this being a national something or a global something that we fight it out of a mindset that's really not always practical. So I want to bring that practical piece in because I think it'll help us. And then it moves us into the place of saying, okay, this is practical. I have the power to change this with my attitude. I have the power to change this with the words that I say. Then there are those, those things that you have no power over. To do that, then you can go into your rabbi. You can go into your place of what we call um, cleansing the environment or the atmosphere, getting ourselves in a place where we're back to peace and we're not contending and we're moving things out of the way. So that's what I mean when I say practical. And I want us to be able to grasp this. There are some people that are so super spiritual, the practical is just not even a consideration. They just wanna do it their way. 
But the bottom line is this, there's more than one way as <laughs> there's more than one way to do a thing. And just because you do it a certain way, you do it a certain way, doesn't mean I have to be a slave to your way of doing it. That's one of the freedoms we have in the faith. The scripture tells us it is for freedom you have been set free. Do not allow another person to place you back in a yoke of bondage. So if I know that all I have to do to stop the fire is stop fighting with you, I'm going to choose to stop fighting. And I'm going to choose to be kind. Because my kindness might have more of an effect over that situation, and I, and it, which is a form of prayer. Your, your, you know, our, our righteous behavior is a form of intercession and prayer as well. Not just the act of prayer, but living righteously, living in how we are ordained to live brings healing. It brings breakthrough. It brings freedom. So I recognize that, and I want you to recognize that as well. So the congregation is constantly changing, and we've talked about this. And I wanted to give you this scripture because it's going to remain here. No matter how things bad things get, God is already one. And the scripture tells us, even Job in his worst place, we hear this in this passage, it says, for there is hope for a tree when it is cut down that it will sprout again and its shoots will not fail. What a promise that is. So even in our wayward places, even in our rebellion, even if you know someone, a child, a loved one, even if that person is you, there is hope for a tree when it is cut down. It doesn't mean that everyone will ultimately rise again, but the hope is there. In other words, God isn't giving up. God has not given up and he can't give up because he, he knows he's already won. And for the church, there is hope for a church when it is cut down. There's hope for a ministry. There's hope for a vision or a plan that God has given when it is cut down. There's hope for a climate to change when it is cast down. There's hope that it will sprout again and it shoots will not fail. So this is a passage that we have been holding on to. And I want to just clarify that when we're speaking of the spirit of the age, what the Bible teaches, if you study it out and you follow through, even if we're going to go with that passage of scripture that says in the last days, will be, men will be lovers of themselves. And even if you're looking at that, the very fact that a person is a lover of themselves is an indication of an attitude, a behavior, a choice, a mindset. So no matter what, if you think it's a spirit walking around and called an arrogant spirit jumping on people, we're wrong because that, that's not what's happening. <laughs> However, if you're in an environment filled with narcissism, if you're in an environment saturated with pride, it will transfer to you because that's the dominant spirit in that, and in, 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 that's the dominant atmosphere. That's the dominant presence in that environment. Listen, when I was in high, high school, I, um, I had, a, 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 there was this group of girls. I mean, we all have our groups, 
Well, there was this group of girls that um, just, they were fixated on, I mean, fixated to a point of detriment. We all have this group of girls in our school or a group of guys, you know, so they call them jocks or they may call them, if they're the guys, they make, so in their environment, they have behaviors like jocks had to be manly, manly. They had to be tough. They had to look ripped and, you know, they had this persona. That's all a part of a spirit over that group or persona that's perpetuated over that group. It's as simple as something like that. But when it's over a whole nation, that's a whole nother issue. So I'm just giving you these things because when we talk about the spirit of this age, we're looking at the attitudes, behaviors, mindsets, belief systems, philosophies, ideologies, um, the lusts. We're looking at all those things that are antichrist, meaning against God, or that goes against him and works against his will, and it operates in the sons of disobedience. And what does that mean? It means that the sons of disobedience are people that love these things. They're people that love the ideologies, the belief systems, the mindsets, the behaviors, the attitudes. They glorify in those things. They get life from It's who they are because that's what influences them and they like it. You know, they don't have the spirit of Christ. They don't have the spirit of Christ within them. So they enter into things that are contrary to what the Lord wants. What the Lord wants. So when we use the word practical, I just want to clarify. Practical, this is my definition. You're probably not going to find that if you look it up. But in the context of my life, in the context of my teachings, I think practical is best defined as making choices, decisions, or to reason based on common sense, lived experience, and or wisdom, and to properly, properly apply available tools without hesitation if needed. I'm being practical. So I have to be practical. I have bills due every month. I can't just pray that they're paid. So the practical answer is, okay, I have to set up a plan to be able to meet these obligations every month. That's practical. I have a vehicle. I have to make, I have to be practical with that vehicle. I can't just drive the vehicle until it stops running. I have to, you know, get it maintained. I have to keep it in order. I have to buy new tires. We have to do things that are necessary to cause our lives to flow the way they should. This applies to both the spirit and natural. I have a picture of a map here because, you know, I've driven places with people who swear they know where to go. And so, listen, I know you know where to go, but why not use the GPS in case there's a detour? or that a road has been closed, especially if it's been five years since you have been there. You know, can we just do that? Well, I know the way, well, that's not practical. You know, so we wanna get to a place where we understand, well, the Lord told me it was gonna be an easy trip. I'm glad the Lord told you that, use your GPS. <laughs> we still gonna use the GPS. There is no sin in using the GPS 
and we will just agree that God has given us wisdom for this trip and use your common sense anyway, because good sense is a part of your spirituality. So we need to agree that my good sense is a part of my spirituality. The Bible says, and all you're getting, get understanding. And it also tells us that wisdom is the principal thing. So if I'm moving in things of the spirit, I also have to be practical. Oh my God told me I'm gonna be wealthy. Okay. What is the practical plan for that? So that your backdrop is set up to receive what he has for you. Or, or your accounts overdraft, because I'm telling you right now, if he send that windfall, the bank getting it. <laughs> you know? So I'm just giving you some practical things to consider that, that makes spirituality real, not spooky. That makes spirituality what it was to Jesus. Jesus lived a practical life. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar. I mean, he understood that. So we need people that understand these practical places especially when we're talking about the spirit of this age. I'm going to show it you in the scripture like I always do. The spirit of this age is at war with, with, this, with life in Christ. Oh my goodness, it's at war with our life in Christ. So let's look at Ephesians 2 real quick. We're just going to walk through um, this passage of scripture. We're here all the time. But I'm going to, yeah, we're going to read from the New King James Version. If you have your Bibles, I still use my printed Bible. If I reach for it now, it'll be too much of a distraction, but I hope you have yours. And I strongly encourage the reading of the word with the physical Bible. And if you're in the conservatory, you know, for real, for real, make sure this is where you are standing in the place of things. It says this, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. The course of this world is the spirit of the age. That's what it is. It's the direction of the world system without Christ. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Let's make this practical again. The direction of the world is the direction that the world goes in as spoken here without consideration of Jesus. According to the prince of the power of the air, which we understand to be the adversary. And what this means is we know the adversary is not all things and he's not everywhere. It's his ideas, it's his philosophies, it's his agendas. It's not just some devil walking around. It's all the things that encompasses the fallen world. It's everything that encompasses the fallen world and the fallen mindset. Very, very important understanding, or we'll have a whole bunch of Christians that are looking to fight a particular type of something when it's really, when it's really a stronghold that we must stand against. And the first place of standing against those strongholds is within ourselves with the truth of God. 
So this is huge. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. Oh, uh, among whom also we conducted ourselves. So that means I had a choice to cooperate with the course of this world or the spirit of this age, or I had a choice not to. I had a choice. And it says this, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, all things that I have complete control over. Can you guys see this? I want you to see that, that when it comes to the spirit of this age, you're not helpless. You are not powerless to the spirit of this age. And I've heard a lot of teachings over the years, especially when I was first introduced to the Lord. The way that, this, that, that demonic things were taught to me was like, you're just a puppet. You, you don't have any control. I can say yes and I can say no. As long as I am cognizant, as long as I can make decisions and decisions are not being forced upon me. We, talk, we learned about peer pressure. Peer pressure is nothing but the spirit of this age that comes upon our children. The, the, the oppressive nature to do what someone else wants you to do, even though it goes against who you are in Christ. That's an internal pressure and one that each and every one of us have to decide, am I going to follow the lust of my flesh, my own will, my desire, because this feels so good? Am I going to do that or am I going to choose what is right and crucify my flesh in the process till it becomes obedient in the presence of the Lord? We have to get this. Is there an overarching stronghold over the nation? Yes, there is. Are there regional principalities and powers? Yes, there is. But guess what? You don't have to fall prey to it. You don't have to succumb to it. Why? Because Christ said, I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. So we're looking for that not of it place. Recognizing what it is, and then making sure we're in the not of it place. But this is what the scripture says. It says, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. In other words, when we're outside of the will of God, we contend with him even if it's not intentional. It's like a opposing sides of a magnet. God wants us to be on the side of the magnet where I can put one magnet up and connect all the other magnets and they go. But when we choose things and make choices opposite of what, what magnetizes or what draws us to the Lord, we're gonna be like the opposing sides of a magnet to God by default. He's literally not doing anything to you. He's over here saying, this is what is required to love me. I'm over here. If you want me, this is what you have to do to get to me. And we're over here thinking we can be the opposite side of the magnet and still be in his presence. 
I don't know. But for me, that makes sense. It makes sense. And I, I, I think magnets are one of the most amazing illustrations of the gospel because the Bible says he, he opposes the proud. He's not saying I can't stand you because you're proud. He's saying I'm pure, I'm holy, I'm humble. So I can only have humble with me. But your pride is like the opposing side of a magnet to God. And the only thing that's going to change that opposing side is if you flip the magnet. If you choose the opposite side of the magnet. I used to love playing with magnets, especially shaved magnet um, pieces. And there was this little game we could buy that had a magnet on the end of the little um, pencil thing. And you had the um, little shaved pieces of a magnet inside. And we could draw pictures with that. And I I think, and then what was another one called? um, It was a little doodle thing. I can't think of the name of it. Etch-a-sketch. That's what it was. And we used to play with that thing. And when I look at that now, I'm like, wow, it's just a magnet and a tip when we had the pencil with it. But now, you know, they had the knobs and different things like that. But, but God, verse four, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we, are, we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. And that's that hope we were talking about. Made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. God has a hope that the ages will change. Oh my God, his hope is that will be raised up in heavenly places so that in the ages to come, he might be able to show the exceeding riches of his grace. Wow. So we have the power, according to Ephesians 2, to shift and change the spirit of this age. And that number one change is by resisting the course of this world. And that's why we're doing this so that we can get into our practical places, our practical places, because we need to be in a practical mind when it comes to the things of the Lord. Every generation has its particular and specific oppression. Every single generation. My mom's generation had the civil rights movement as it relates to this nation. You know, my, um, I don't know, I'm just thinking the 60s, you know, that, that whole, the, everything that took place in the time that they lived until they were probably around um, in their 40s or whatever. By the time they hit that movement, that was clouding their entire existence. There's always an overarching stronghold. And this is, this is a part that we really have to talk about too because every generation has social constructs that include language, behaviors, societal norms, suspicions, traditions, 
spiritual beliefs. And listen, there are even spiritual norms that overarch ages. And I don't know if you all remember, like a like hundred years. There are periods in history known for its superstitiousness, burning witches and thinking everything is the I mean, a whole generation, a period of a hundred years, people lived in fear of the supernatural. Every sickness, every disease, everything that took place was because of a curse, a spell. That was, a, that was over an age. And listen, everything that is released over an age is propelled by the people of that age. It couldn't have existed if the people had come together and rejected it. But because they came together and agreed, I hope you're hearing me, because they came together and agreed, they perpetuated and increased that darkness. The adversary has no power except what he gives them, except what we give him. That is a universal truth in both the realm of the unsaved and the realm of the saved. Can you guys see that? Because that helps us in our prayer time. That helps us in knowing how to, how to construct our intercession. That helps us in our agreement. Because agreement is powerful. If you can get a, a whole, if you can get a room of 50 people to agree that they're going to kidnap some girls and sell them and make money, they're going to be able to accomplish that. They're going to find out all the evil ways they can do that. And they're going to build the empire that we see today for sex trafficking. Because all these people are in, in agreement with human, the sale of humans. So you have, I, I hope, and it, now listen, where does that spirit come from? It comes from the evil one. But people propel these strongholds and they fully have the power to decide not to do it. This, this thing about choice is so critical to the prophetic church. Because the prophetic church loves scapegoating everything to a devil or a demon. Not taking responsibility. There are things taking place right now that the church has the answer for. For example, oh, I don't like the educational system that we have and this, that, and well, if we go back to doing school within the church setting, small schools, not big giant schools, small schools. And we begin leading and building out everything according to our educational principles. A lot of these things can be taken back. And you know that because some of you have been a part of successful ministries that have had not just Sunday school, but school. Oh, my goodness. If you can control the language of a culture, 
the behavior of the culture, the norms of a culture, if you can control the paranoia and suspicion of a culture, if you can manipulate the traditions of a culture, if you can manipulate the spiritual beliefs of a culture or a people or a generation, and you can build all this into a social construct, you can feed the spirit of this age. Oh my goodness. Wow. The spirit of his age is expressed in home life. That's first level. Our local communities where we hang out at, our stores. I, I was at a meeting when I was a news reporter. I used to cover county government. And one of the things that I never understood was um, you know, when county, the county and the city have a lot of ordinances about businesses and zoning and things like that, I would go to those meetings and I would see property and location be zoned for strip clubs, for um, liquor stores, for, um, you know, all kinds of things that, that people really didn't want in their communities. And so... Nobody would show up to these meetings, but the people with the businesses that were trying to get their ordinances, the ordinances changed and the um, zoning changed so that they could do what they wanted. And it, it just always dawned on me because I was assigned to local government as a news reporter. And I would begin to see that the communities that caused the most aggravation, fuss, that fought the most... Why are these liquor stores in my neighborhood? Why is this? Why? I mean, listen, I'm telling you the truth. It's still like that today. Every now and then I'll show up for one of my um, city and local meetings, so especially the school board meeting, but that's a whole nother story. I'm talking practical. I told you this was going to be a practical teaching. They're protesting. They're walking up and down the streets with their picket. They don't want this um, strip club in their neighborhood. But listen, if you didn't want it, why didn't you show up for the public meeting? Why didn't you affect the zoning fight again? Because the battle is there. It's not you picketing. The battle begins there. You can still pick it, but pick it while the battle is raging before the decisions are made. So for me, a lot of this is, is people not being practical with their ideas, ideals and their things that they want to do. I want to just give you that because we have a lot of people who pray and we know prayer is powerful. Well, how more powerful is it if you recognize that you are the answer to your own prayer? I mean, oh my God. You the answer to your own prayer. God, I, 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 I need some money. Well, well, what are you doing? God, I, Lord, bless me with a car. What are you doing? How are you climbing out of debt? God can, listen, I've been given cars in my life. People have given me vehicles. Large sums of money. I've been blessed. But that can't be 
The only thing that I'm doing if I'm expecting God to break free and break loose in my life. Those are gifts, but there's a whole sustainability that falls behind that gift. <laughs> but when you're when something's twisted in your spirituality and there's no practical understanding, we just twist it. Can you agree with me? I need a new car. Oh my God, have you tried to get out of debt? What's your credit looking like? Do you pay your bills on time? I'm just, listen, but there is a spirit of oppression over you. Follow me now. You are oppressed. There is a, I, I feel like I'm overcome by poverty because you are. It's not imaginary. It's not, but it is practical. Because there is a stronghold of poverty in the earth. There are regions and neighborhoods that suffer under it. But this is the thing. We can pray. But what if the people praying for change agree to change it? What if all of those people got together and figured out how to be prosperous as a community? What if all those people got together and began to fight against gentrification? Fight against, I'm just giving you some examples because the changes that we have seen over the years were in oppressive environments where there have been legitimate strongholds only changed when the people changed their minds. That biblical principle works inside the kingdom and outside the kingdom, as a man thinketh, so is he. But yet we're talking about the spirit of the age. There's um, there's strongholds over states, over regions, over the nations, over I mean, over our national U.S. and over other nations. Everybody, there's strongholds in generate in um, generations. There's strongholds in ethnic groups. Yes, there are. And there's so many. The course of this world, meaning the direction, holds, nurtures, and releases the spirit of the age of its generations. Because of the sons of disobedience, the course of the world shifts to its lusts and absolutely everything, if there is no restraint, if there is no cognizant understanding of the Lord. That's why Jesus was constantly like, we hear those apostles constantly reiterating things he said. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. Oh my God. There will either be an increase in righteousness according to God, or there will be an empowerment of the sons of disobedience, knowing what those influences are, enable us to rightly position ourselves. There are several things that happen at the turn of the 21st century. And um, those of us that are, you know, if you're born in 2000, this probably won't make much sense. But if you were born in the 80s, 90s, 70s, any time before 2000, 
You're well enough in this life age-wise to be able to look back and say, there's been some changes that I can see. Well, in the seventies, when I was growing up, you know, when I was a little girl and when I came of age in 1984, I turned 13 in 1984. So I'm looking at this year and all I can think about was, um, you know, around between 83 and 85, all I remember is MTV. Um, all I remember is Whitney Houston. Um, you know, I remember all of my favorite music. They influ- everything I listened to, I started, and, and my, my girl group was, was Salt and Pepper. So here I am shaving my hair. I, I mean, by, I'm dressing like them. TLC came along. We dressing like them. I mean, we were, everything that I did was based on what, the, what they released because we know that the principalities and powers of the air include the media and those influences. And this generation, we skip all the way to this day, you know, and we're looking at things that are going, going on and we're, we're saturated in the technology of this day, just like I was saturated in the technology of my day. And when I say my day, the years that I came of age, the years that have the greatest influence on who you will become as far as the world is concerned. Our parents have that mandate when we're before, before we're like 12 years old, but there's something that happens when we hit 12 or 13 or 14 years old, where we begin to pursue our own identity and that spirit of the age comes crashing down like a vice grip. And here we have this generation saturated by non-human contact through technology. They're saturated by an obsession with reality shows. And I mean, the raunchiest and the craziest of reality shows. We see the music downgrade. You see people exchanging um, compliments with curse words. You see, I mean, you see the total degrading of the human existence. And here we are, we come against the spirit of this age, when really what we need to be doing is setting standards that are honorable because our real warfare is example in addition to the prayer, in addition to the change, woe to us that contribute to the spirit of this age. Here we go. Practical ways. Again, practical means to make choices, decisions, or to reason based on common sense, lived experience, and our wisdom, and to properly apply available tools without hesitation when needed. A lot of you right now on this line, you know, you're listening. A lot of you are... um, claim to be prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And you have to look at your life and literally say, how am I contributing to the spirit of this age? And how should I be contributing to the spirit of this age? What is my contribution? What is my legacy? What am I leading and leaving as an example? Because we know this generation is not about your words. 
I mean, I, I, I tell my own mentor sometimes, she's, you know, we talk and she was like, Teresa, why are you saved? You know, that was one of the conversations we have. And I'll tell anybody, I'm not saved because of something I read. I'm saved because an experience I had with the Lord and having that experience fortified over and over and over again, and then backed up by what I have read. That's what saved me. I don't really listen to what people say. I watch what they do. So I'll look at you. And if you're preaching, and I'm not talking about people growing and making mistakes, because I look for growth. We're all growing. You look for growth. None of us are perfect. But if you tell me that you're righteous and you're holy, I'm looking for it. I'm looking for that. But if you are evil and cruel to people, you spend all your time demeaning them, making them feel bad. if, If you are constantly gossiping about people, but you're a prophet, right? But there you are commenting on everything, perpetuating the spirit of this age. Can't be corrected. Don't like for nobody to tell you nothing when it comes. I mean, but you're a prophet. I would not want a prophet like that anywhere in my spiritual atmosphere. Just think about that now. I wouldn't want an apostle like that. I wouldn't want an evangelist like that, an elder like that. I wouldn't want a teacher like that. Huh? No. No, 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 sir. You're not going to bring the spirit of the age up here. I'm giving this is practical. And tell me it's Jesus. That might be your but Jesus, but it's not mine. Jesus. You can have your but Jesus, but I'm going to have Jesus as Lord. I'm just, listen, our eyes must be open. I'm a straight pen, not a sideways one. We have to decide. It's a decision. It's a choice. Do you want to be popular? Because y'all know me. I don't care about popularity. I care about reach and influence, but I don't care about being popular at all. I don't need people to know what I'm doing. I don't need people to know where I'm going. There's, There's nothing in me that cares. But here we are facing the biggest and greatest dilemma of our lives, not recognizing that the number one way of affecting this is us. Be the intercession, be the prayer. Climate change, atmospheric changes, and acceptance of those at, at um climate changes are easily recognized through language transitions, how people talk. Listen to the language of this generation. It tells you what they value, the language alone. The language in the music, the language in everyday conversations, it tells you what they value. How can I say this? Because this whole world was shaped and formed by words. 
That's how. What you speak is what you create. We are that powerful. I don't use certain language because I understand that as an apostle, my words are powerful. I don't enter into a lot of slang trying to be 20. First of all, I'm not 20. Why I need to regress to fit in? Be your age, for goodness sake. Listen, here we are, language transitions, even among the congregation, even in the conservatory, there are words I don't use. I use the word church sometimes, but you rarely hear me use the word Christianity because I understand that Christianity comes with a language shaped by people. I say I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, Jesus Christ. I follow the way. Or I'll say I'm a believer. For me, that means something. You might not like that I don't use the word Christianity, but I know how because I need to literally set the stage for the atmosphere that I long to create in my life, that I long to create in the ministry entrusted to me. A lot of people's ministries are set up under the spirit of this age just by the language. That's practical. It seems quiet. I don't know if people are commenting at all but because I can't tell. But I just want to say these definitions can flow from music. Now, listen, when we're creating, that's a whole different conversation. And I want to say this because we have to put real life into our creativity, right? We just can't write about angels and expect people to understand that. <laughs> so if I was living like hell before I got saved, we have to demonstrate that in some of our creativity because people identify with real life. So we want to, again, we're talking practical things. We don't want no angel walkers here to, to think that, no, because no, people are dealing with real life. Listen, I grew up in an environment, well, I can't talk about that because that involves my family members, but I've seen things that no child should see. That was real life. You know, I found cans with crack residue on them been in half, where ashes have been burned. I mean, those things are real life. We don't shield ourselves from real life, but what we don't do is become a part of the chaos of it. Oh my goodness. Now, I have some things here I want to run through real quick. We cannot teach on this in detail because you just really need to think on it of yourself. Is that That's not... The gospel message is not me running all of this down. If we were doing a workshop or something, I would go through this, but I'm just going to hit some things. One of the things that I noticed, this is me personally. I've taught this in the school of the scribe years ago. We've done, um, we've done entire scribe schools on the spirit of this age and scribal warfare. So I'm bringing this a little bit from this area. 
But when, when at the turn of the century, I don't know if you all remember, but Harry Potter, the first movie by Harry Potter was released in 2001. Beginning that year, here in the United States, Halloween became a, a big, big, big holiday after that point. Because listen to this, I'm, this isn't about the author or anything like that. I'm not talking about how we need to come. This is not that. I want you to just follow with me for a minute. So when the movie Harry Potter came out, one of the marketing strategies was to create um, a day where people celebrated all things that had to do with witchcraft. Little kids were beginning, we already had um, Halloween, but they started putting Halloween celebrations where they were dressing up and coming for movie viewings. Those books were on display. They were buying the, um, whatever that little, the broom, the, they were buying the, the wand. They were buying all the Harry Potter paraphernalia. And eventually Halloween became a bigger holiday in this country than it has ever been. Now, other countries, I know, like if you're looking at um, the UK, they've always celebrated. There's a lot of history there and things like that. But in the United States, you really didn't see it like you did until that time of the century. So we have seen an explosion of supernatural shows. And I'm only using this one area because it's the one I know all of us can identify with. We've seen a surge in Wiccan. The Wiccan, Wiccan, Wiccan is one of the fastest growing um, faiths that are existing now in the United States. We've seen um, Halloween celebrate. We've seen whole franchises from the Vampire Diaries to the originals to, um, I don't know, you know, some other things that have just exploded and taken off. Now, this is the thing. This is why, and if you haven't heard the teaching on the sermon, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the series we did on understanding discernment. Because what's really happening in this environment was there was a message being released. Not just, oh, the spirit of the age, witchcraft is all over the... That was, a, listen, there was an opening that began at the turn of the century for people to connect with the supernatural. And unfortunately, <laughs> the spirit of this age grabbed it a whole lot better than the church did. Around that time, the prophetic movement was at its greatest momentum than it has been in the history of the church. Schools of the prophets were able to go online. Schools of the prophets were, and apostles were popping up everywhere. People were learning how to prophesy. People were laying hands and the whole church shifted to fight the devil. I hope you all are following me. Was our focus to fight the devil? Or was our focus supposed to be building the supernatural? Stewarding the supernatural. Thank God we had ministries that did it and that are still doing it. But the spirit of the age was the demonic realm. 
it was any kind of spirituality. I'm just feeling spiritual, <laughs> you know? It didn't even have to be a religion. But it has propelled into a lot of chaos and things we see today. What's my point? My point is that a lot of the climate changes can simply be seen by looking at what's popular in film and television, what's popular in music, what's popular in advertising, advertising. What is the agenda? A lot of the agenda is just exposed through you opening your eyes and looking at it and sitting down, not just saying, I see you devil, but also saying, I see you God. Oh my God, because when we can say, I see you God, we can do more than fight. We can bring practical application alongside what we see and we can pray, Father, what is going on? How can I counter this with what you've given me? That is the answer. And that is what the Bible teaches us. And so for example, real simple example, Galatians 5. Everybody knows Galatians 5, but they all seem to focus on the sin of the flesh when it comes to preaching and teaching. But God is saying, be the best fruit of me that you can. Demonstrate it so well that there is no room for darkness to stand. That's what Jesus did. So I'm shifting a little bit because I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that Lord, those religious strongholds where people fight against practical teaching because of things they've seen in dreams and visions, things they've, things they've been taught from religious places, it makes the practical difficult. Father, I just pray over our minds right now. We declare we have the mind of Christ in the name of Jesus that we live in the mind of Christ and that we approach the things of this world the way Christ approached them, the way Jesus approached them in Jesus' name. Father, I declare that people are not misinterpreting what we're teaching as another gospel. But Father, I thank you we can walk through scripture line by line and we can see what you are declaring in Jesus' name. We want to be able to see that the fruit of the spirit demonstrated can do more good with the prayers lined up with that and the war lined up with that than it ever could with us fighting tooth and nail, accusing, screaming, yelling, stumping without it. Oh my goodness industries, religion, legislative focuses. See, we have been, we, somehow we falsely believe that this world system is unspiritual. It's a mistake. It's very spiritual. But it's not Holy Spirit. Our spirituality is Holy Spirit. Our spirituality is Holy Spirit. The spirit of the living God is our spirituality. 
likeness, image in him, the fullness of our being, him and us. That's our spirituality. The spirituality of this world is based on emotion, feeling, flesh, everything that opposes the righteousness of God. And the, the, the world system has no boundaries. Anything is acceptable. There are boundaries in the kingdom because the kingdom only accepts what is pure. Wow, I hope this is helping. Because the practical side of this simply says, wow, that's a trending topic today. That topic been trending all week, Twitter. That topic has been trending for months. Whoa, what is that topic releasing? God, what are you saying? Because that topic is releasing. It's, what are you saying? But here we are fighting over the topic. <laughs> totally getting caught up in the world. When I go into bookstores, I look at the books presented to me when I walk right in the store. I, I'm in bookstores all the time. That's what I do in my free time. I'm a Barnes and Nobles person. If I go to the fiction section, I always look on a child's level. So I can see, especially in the kids' books, what little two, three-year-olds, what's the first thing they see? Fairies. <laughs> you know, um, moon stuff. I mean, <laughs> that's what they're looking at. And I'm like, God, where's the Christian books? Where, where, where's the warfare here? Where's the counter? I, I mean, I, one time I saw a book on the same level that was like, it had something to do with angels. And when I read it, I was like, oh my goodness, this person is a believer. But it was right next to the fairies. And it was just as interesting as the fairy book. But they use angels instead. I mean, I'm just giving you some practical things. Because in scribal warfare, we release holiness and righteousness. And it counters, because we most of us deal in publishing, most of us deal in when we are doing our original work. Again, the creative realm is different. When we are producing our original work and we're not a part of something else, we have the ability to engage at a level that is lasting, a level that contradicts the world system. And when we're, when, when we're engaging with the world, we bring light. Our part brings light. Or it makes sure. See, our roles, I, I've heard people teach some crazy stuff, and I've written about this in some of my books and years ago. Probably the last conference, I think, may have been 2011. Um, maybe 2009 conference was the one where we really hit the entertainment area really hard because I had to show people, we did demonstrations on how you can bring light and darkness. 
but the the christian mindset is i'm gonna kill you because you're writing on something or you're dealing with something that's dark i'm supposed to be there what are you out of your mind you gonna kill me too i'm supposed to be there wherever there is darkness god's grace abounds much more that's the scripture but how do I know that you're doing what is right by God? Because the vessel, the example tells the story. All you need to know is that that vessel is uncompromising. Everything else is, is a given. But if you live, if you're on that fence between heaven and hell, so to speak, <laughs> your, everything you do don't look like that, right? So there is this practical side that we have to put in place. Because if there is light in darkness, light will be seen in the dark place. And depending on how God is operating, light will consume. I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen it. But this practical side, so look for the best, look what, what books are trending. What book has been a bestseller um, in this, in your city for the last month, that'll give you a clue as to what's happening in your city. I'm skipping some of these. I'm just going to go right here to my favorite conversation. Um, I was, and I'm only sharing this because I feel like it's relevant, but I covered, I covered, pol covered politics. That was one of my number one beats. People would not know that, but I've, I've, created campaigns, ran legislative campaigns. Every single candidate that I helped won their race, their election. I just don't talk about it. I love this area as it relates back then when it was different than it is now. You couldn't pay me to do any of this stuff now, but I know the media. A lot of my friends were television reporters. I was an investigative reporter and we were close and we shared all of our intel all of our insight we work together that's one thing people don't realize about news media within the city they may be commit competing newspapers but they don't compete as it relates to relationships they're a part of the same organ news organizations they have dinners together networking meetings news is it's just a job it doesn't mean these news reporters are not friends if one of my friends had a breaking news story and she knew I was an investigative news reporter, she knew I had to collect more information than she did. So I would share my sources and give her my notes. That way, when she went on the evening news and she only had, had to do it live, she already had my stuff and she could verify before the show and go live. So just because you think something is happening between networks, the reporters and the and, uh, and the, um, the people, they're not really acting like that. They're buddies. It's like camaraderies, like all actors hang together, all reporters hang together, sports people hang together. It don't matter who team you on because you share a particular um, place of agreement. But when it comes to things like that, you can watch the news to see what the spirit of the age is in a region, in a city. You can find out what's on the mind of a people.
small towns are some of the most volatile places you will ever find in the earth. They're not big cities, but they do more dirty politics than any other place I've ever seen. I'm talking local elections. So when I'm sharing with you, man, what is the stronghold over this city? Something is going on. Look to the news, people. <laughs> Find out what's making the headlines in that city. Because most small towns are all about looking good and not being seen as a sore place in society. <laughs> you know, I used to work in a place called Dublin, Georgia. I was there for five years as a news reporter. Learned so much about the underbelly of that city, the good and the bad. But there are all kinds of things. Your workplace environment, huge place. For, for looking at what the stronghold is over that place. Because it does, the attitude of your leader trickles down through the whole organization. Why? Last point, because people, people embrace the spirit of the age. And when they embrace the spirit of the age, they purport it. And what we're looking for is the kind of climate that affects the kingdom in the way God intended versus the kind of climate that affects the world or whatever environment we find ourselves in. I want to read um, one more thing to you. Just Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The pattern of this world is the spirit of the age. I know somebody wanted me to say Leviathan is over this city. I know someone wanted me to say the spirit of Jezebel running all up through this and that. You know, I'm just trying to make it practical for you because a lot of that keeps us in a daze. It's like being hit upside the head with a brick and trying to get up and make sense of it. But if you're looking at things like that, it's not going to be sensible. We have to have the practical side of this to make sense of the spiritual side. So I wanted to make sure we kind of do, do that. Then you will be able, because see, there it is again. Then you will be able. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will. That's, that's you having wisdom. That's common sense. That's practical. Oh my God. Practical, practical, practical. I want to read this um, real quick. Um, this is John 12, and I'm going to start at 25. Just listen to it. Just listen. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Where I am. Where is Jesus? We want to be where Jesus is, right? Ask yourself, where is Jesus in my life? Where is Jesus? Am I with him? Am I where he is? That's the question. Am I, and I'm not talking physical location. Am I where he is? Mindset. 
Am I where he is? If anyone serves me, let him follow me, my mind, my heart, my will. And where I am, where I am right now in my mind, my heart, my will. There my servant will be in my mind, in my heart, in my will. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thunder. Now, listen, so you got people who heard God speak to him and say, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So they heard that but they heard thunder. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole nother story. Therefore, the people stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. They heard God speak to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come to me because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw people to myself. Most people look at this scripture as an actual casting out. But the more your mind is renewed to the truth of who God is, more, the more of the world that leaves you, leaves you. So now is the judgment of this world. In other words, righteousness is in you. So because righteousness is in you, the ruler that of the world that was in you is no longer able to access it anymore because I've already judged that in you because you are mine. I hope I'm conveying this correctly. This said, he signified by what death he would die. We need to see this as knowing that when Christ, when Jesus died on the cross and Christ was resurrected, the rule of this world was cast out of us. All we had to do was say, I believe. And to have that perfected, all we have to say is, I <laughs> am following you. To follow God and all of his precepts and his ways by default is a casting out. So if all I think of myself is negative, then I'm still feeding the spirit of this world. But if I believe what God has spoken and I speak life, then I'm casting out everything that held me bound to that world, that atmosphere, that environment, the spirit of the age that was in me. Very practical. So I can pray all day long. I can walk up and down my house all day long, but if I combine those prayers with the faith of those words, I can have impact. Oh my goodness. We just need to see this. We talked about Galatians 5. I want to bring this um, part here. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. 
We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, which is the way of the world, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, which is still the way of the world, but by manifesting the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of the Lord. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves are, bond, are your bondservants for his sake. In other words, Paul said, I'm your example. I'm going to present everything that I can that has been entrusted to me because I know you're watching me. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. You remember how I was, but look at who I am now, who has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Why did I read that? Because we need to remember. We need to remember that people don't just need to hear your prayers. They don't just need to hear you Rabbi Shata every day. They need to see your work. They need to see your attitude. They need to see how you're living. They need to see how you're treating other people. They need to see how you go about your life. They, they need to see all of this. They need to see. They need to see. So yeah, you're in this industry or that industry. You're, you're yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. But how are you going to treat me with all of that? Are you going to make that greater than God? Or are you still going to have the time you had before? Oh, my gosh. Yes, living epistles. So the spirit of this age is very practical. And the number one thing we need to get from this is simply understanding that breaking it begins with our own lives. That's number one. Breaking it begins with your own life. You make sure that you are not the one that needs to be corrected. The second thing we need to realize is this. Yeah, I see what that is. I see that's darkness. But if there is darkness, I'm going to pray, but I need to figure out how I'm going to be the light in this. It kills me to see people talk about the Lord put this on a burden on my heart. I've been praying on it for years. But what have you done? What has your life done? Well, he called me to do this and I have a vision. What have you done? What have you done in your environment? What have you as one person done? That's what I want to know. But here you are getting all these people together to pray. What have you done? If it's a burden, then you must have an answer, prophet. Apostle, stop claiming these titles if you're not going to live in that place. If you're contributing to the problem, you 
gossiping just like that gossiping, but you're a prophet. Let me tell you what God showed me about this leader. That is none of your business. Name one prophet who did that in the Bible. You won't find one. Not one. Show me your work, prophet. Man, God has had me praying for this celebrity. Why? Where's your work in that area? Prophets are, listen, there are a lot of people who claim they're prophets. And I'm telling you, they're not. And if they are, they're not operating in it because they can't separate themselves from the world. They're listening to the world, not listening to God. I don't know a whole lot of prophets. They don't read their Bible. They have an excuse why they can't train. Any. Some people have been claiming to be a prophet for 20 years, hadn't taught another prophet nothing. Those are equipping gifts, not your running your mouth gift. But you have all these people. I'm a prophet. I watch. They do nothing. They have no people. They have no class. They have no followers. There is no one that they are equipping. What is that? Is it ministry? Or is it something else? Look around at all of these self-processed prophets. They have no work. No doctrine. All they do is elevate themselves. They feel like that. Well, I'm a prophet because the Lord lets me help you and I prophesy to you. That's not the office. That's prophetic. I know people get tired of me saying this, but many people are not mature. And they are not called into an office because it's equipping and equipping offices are for the building of the church, not for your platform. Well, I'm equipping with my prophetic work. That's not what that means. That's not the context of that passage. It's not the context. In your mind, because of the spirit of this age that's over the church, that's infiltrated the leaders. They think that prophesying and laying hands is the office. <laughs> A casting out is taking place right now. Because they believe lies. You having dreams every night does not mean you're in an office. If those dreams are tormenting, God is trying to get your attention and wake you up. Prophets have work, not just words. Oh my God, I'm called to the nations. You ain't even called to the neighborhood. There's nobody even in the neighborhood. God believe it begins in Jerusalem first. Oh my goodness. Nobody serves in Jerusalem. They just jump to the nations. Impossible. Impossible. 
servants serve. And they serve at an expense to themselves before anything is ever broken into a service to other people. But the spirit of this age over the church tells us otherwise. They say just because your gift all tight, you can do anything. Whole ministry built on a gift. Whole ministry built on a gift, on a prophetic flow. How dangerous is that? Anyway, Father, we just thank you. And we just trust your grace and we trust your mercy. And Father, we just ask you to have your way in the midst of us. Raise us up, grow us up. Father, we're not here to condemn the world. You've already done that. They already know. They're already condemned according to your word. What we are to do is to be salt and light. What we are to do is preach and teach to correct and align the congregation. What we are to do is make sure that we are a living example, Lord, that because there is a spirit of this age. And we have the wisdom, the practical knowledge and wisdom to see it. And we have the spiritual gifting, God, within us because we are a part of you to know the directions and the way of this world. And it's not for us to know and accuse, but for us to know and to navigate. To navigate, to know when to go left and when to go right. To know how to set a thing in order. How to know how to restore what has been lost. To know how to build and build up people. To know how to navigate and get people out and bring them into the kingdom. That is why we identify the spirit of this age. So that we know how to move God in stealth. And in truth, and by the mind of Christ in Jesus' name, have your way in us, God. Move us out of our superstitions, our religiosities, our legalism. Break it down, crush it, make it plain that we are practical, that we are the solutionists that we were ordained to be in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen.